My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make some money. My job not just entertain, but educate, teach. So call me at 1-800-73-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right. Hate to be a bit of a Debbie Downer here. But if you had another terrific day, Dow gained 79 points, S&P climbed 0.47%, NASDAQ vaulted 1.5%, Dallas up much higher at one point. You need to be aware of froth. What's froth? Well, this is froth, but I'm talking about a different kind of froth. It's when you get stocks that explode higher for no particular reason. Look at Beyond Meat. I mean, look, I, 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 this is it, man. This is Frost Central. It's up nearly $30 today. Now, you might think this artificial burger company is the bull's best friend. After all, no cattle were harmed in the making of a Beyond Burger. But the action here is frothy. And froth is the bull's worst enemy. And it's not just this once red-hot stock. This one red on stock. There are many others. There are a bunch of names that have caught fire. Names we need to examine if only just to make sure that we haven't gone off the reservation with no discipline and no guardrails. For example, the cloud stocks ignited today thanks to Salesforce slash Tableau software. Big deal. We're going to hear more about Salesforce later. We have Mark Benioff, the CEO. For now, though, we need to address this beyond meat. I mean, really do. I mean, people are saying, oh, God, Jim, please don't open the sausage. Please don't open the sausage. Sorry, sausage gets opened. Um, and, you know, th- this is... This thing is froth personified. Got me? If you're worried about a toppy market, about stocks potentially getting ahead of themselves, then Beyond Meat's trajectory, well, it is just terrifying. Don't get me wrong. This is a fantastic company. And its stock was clearly priced way too cheaply when it came public a little over a month ago. Beyond Meat had already rallied pretty substantially. But then the company reported a blowout quarter last week. Let's see if I can hit the blowout. Blowout quarter. They know nothing. Um, the buyers and its stock surged from 99 on Thursday to 138 on Friday. I think that first leg was driven by panicked short sellers. Oh, hold it! I'm not done. Panicked short sellers. They bet that beyond. They bet. Against Beyond Meat, thank you on new competition from Nestle. Remember, we had Nestle CEO on and, uh, and the privately held Impossible Burger. Then the company delivered amazing numbers. And the shorts, they couldn't take the pain. Oh, come on! All right. Now, of course, the fortune short is something like Beyond Meat. See, remember how short selling works. First, you need to borrow shares from somewhere, someone else, okay? Then you sell them in the hope that you can buy them back later at a lower price. But Beyond Meat just came public, and there simply isn't much supply out there. So the shorts need to pay money to borrow it, especially since there were so many of them. Half the float has been sold short. That is incredible. It's impossible. Oh, that's a different company. Then Beyond Meat does better than expected, and the shorts stampede out of there, buying back the stock in order to close out the short positions. And that's how this company could add, get this $4 billion in market. Four, that's, that's a B over the past two days. $4 billion. Even though its full-year sales guidance only beat the estimates by $5 million. You know, that's like eat one of these. No meat, right? 
Beyond Meat's now worth more than $10 billion, mostly on the backs of true believers who are gobbling up every share and short sellers who are desperate to close out their shorts. And that's why the stock rallies. It rallied another $29 today on no additional news. It's all about the mechanics of the market. So really, what is the problem here? I mean, what are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about, oh, wow, hot Italian. What we're talking about, okay, these days people are talking to who, you know, I talk to, you know, I go everywhere, right? I go around the the club. My wife loves the club, okay? And what do people want to talk to me about? They want to say, well, um, you know, they want to know why they shouldn't buy the stock of Beyond Meat. The reason is almost always totally circular. They like the stock. Why? Because it's tasty? No, they like it because the stock's going higher. Oh. There are no valuation parameters. There's no relation to reality. In these situations, people don't care why something's going up. They just want to own it. They want a winner. They want tulip mania. It's like tulip mania. I think I, I could understand if the buyers were all vegans or vegetarians. At least they'd be rooting for the home team. But this is pure insanity. <gasps> When you see people cutting into stocks just because they're going up, it's a, what I call a bad sign. Hey, we saw it with cannabis. Remember that Tilray when that had big short squeeze? So fourth issues, well, fourth issue number one is the, apo- the apotheosis of the ersatz hamburger. Yeah. All right, can't all be great shots here. I mean, come on, Bryce Harper st- tried to steal home yesterday. Then there's fourth issue number two, the Cloud Kings. Now, you know that I adore these cloud-based software companies. Their businesses are incredible. Their CEOs are fantastic. That's it. A speeding train can, you know, let me understand, it can easily go off the rails. This morning, Salesforce paid a huge premium in stock for Tableau Software. Software analytics company. We've had Tableau the show, on the show repeatedly, and they're great at data analysis. That thing is very useful for clients who want to assess how they're doing in real time. But Salesforce is paying so much for Tableau that it's had its earnings cut by 14%. That's why Salesforce saw its stock plunge more than $8 today while Tableau rallied 42 Now, as far as I'm concerned, it's totally worth it. I expect the Tableau deal to pay off very fast, much faster than people realize. Why? Because last year, Salesforce bought MuleSoft for $6.5 billion, and they integrated MuleSoft very quickly, even though I know I doubted it would happen. In other words, we've seen this movie before. I think you should use this weakness as a buying opportunity. Says, I expect Salesforce's stock to recover. Maybe within seven days, as was the case with MuleSoft. I would buy it aggressively if, I fell, if it fell below 150 from the 152.79 we're close today. MuleSoft, Beyond Meat. I mean, these things are all just, you got it. So what's the problem? What's the problem with this deal? Simple. It's the pin action. The pin action is atrocious. <laughs> yeah, the pin action. Stick with me here. The cloud stocks are flying in the expectation that they're all going to get takeover bids. But, I mean, come on. Do you think Workday? Do you think that's going to get a bid? How about Splunk? How about VMware? House of Pleasure. Hey, how about oh, Adobe? House sell, sell, sell. of Pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, this stuff's slippery. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's why I expect their stocks are going to give up these gains. Damn Brioni. Final evidence of froth. Every day, every day, there's another big cap stock that rockets higher on no new news. Today was Amazon's turn. I mean, why the heck was Amazon up almost $57 today? Nobody knows. 
That's textbook froth. Now, we own Amazon for the Chapel Trust, which you follow by joining the ActionAlertPunk.com club. And I've got to tell you something. We were tempted to sell something simply because it's gotten too hot too quickly. That's not what I like. If there's so much froth, why not sell everything? Because I'm not totally convinced that this market's nearing a top. The signs point both ways. For example, for every Beyond Meat, there is a lift, right? There's a lift or there's an Uber. Yeah, it's got that right feel to it. Anyway, I mean, that's the opposite of froth, right, those two? So you cannot just say, all right, because of Beyond Meat, there's no, you know, it's the end of the world. We got, wow, look at this. This thing is really starting to come together here. You know, it's kind of like Play-Doh, except for it tastes a little more like Play-Doh. Same goes for the action in the big acquirers today. Salesforce got slammed. That's the United Technologies, which is buying Raytheon, a gigantic deal. A truly frothy market wouldn't punish Salesforce and United Technologies like this. On top of that, I think the people are reluctant to buy stocks because you never really know what our mercurial president is going to do. I mean, sure, he gave us a reprieve of the Mexican tariffs, but this morning... He attacked the U.S. Chamber of Commerce for being unpatriotic. And I'm quoting here. They have to start representing the United States, end quote, Trump said. Not just the companies that are members of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, end quote. I get where he's coming from, but that's not how interest groups work. Now, you never know whether you're going to get pro-business Trump or populist Trump, and that keeps people on the sidelines. Just 10 days ago, he lashed out against Mexico, threatening to hit them with escalating tariffs if they didn't shut down the border. If you're a U.S. company with business in Mexico, that was terrifying. But then he canceled the tariffs when Mexico agreed to do some kind of border deal, and suddenly you had a chance to buy back all the stocks you sold last weekend. Well, let's say, good for now. Finally, there's retail. I mean, other than Walmart, Costco, and Target, the retailers are dogs. Let's see if I can hit the dog. Bye, bye, bye! Darn it. There you go! Now, bottom line, we still have uh, enough moorings that I don't want to declare this market out of control. Uh, I believe, still, that Beyond Meat is a bit of an outlier. That doesn't make any noise at all. There you go. However, if we get more IPOs that go nuts, more rallies for no reason, more hopping sausage, all right, and being giddy beyond the cloud kings, we may go past the tipping point. Oh, man. <laughs> I stepped in it. <laughs> we still aren't there yet. We're still too close to the May swoon. But I think it's probably too late to put any new money to work without another leg down, or at least a retest of where we were at the beginning of last week. Why don't we take some calls? Why don't we go to James in New York? James. Hey, Jim, a big booyah to you from Queens, New York, and Bellwood, PA. Oh, man, that My is fantastic. Is, thanks, Jim. Since okay. our government recently put the brakes on Huawei due to security concerns, yeah. do you think the other big player in the 5G telecom market, Nokia, can capitalize and grow its market share fast. I would actually believe that it's going to be Samsung. I think it's going to be Samsung, which you're not, you know, no one trades in Nokia. And then I would say Ericsson are kind of uh, in a two-horse race. I think that we have to be careful to rule out Huawei simply because, you know what, if we get a trade deal, people are going to go nuts. But I think you should buy Marvell because Marvell has all of those. And that's the best way to play it. Can I go to Joel in Florida? Joel. Hmm. Joel. My, my question is about DocuSign, D-O-C-U. Oh, uh, yeah, they, people uh, like that DocuSign. on Thursday, uh, revenue's up, billings are up, and stock dropped 12% on Friday. Is it a buy? 
no, I think it's already moved too much. I think we we'll have to take a pass on that. That's the kind of stock that can come down here very easily. Hey, we're not done with calls. Let's go to Catherine in Nevada. Catherine. No offense. Oh, it looks like we might be done. Now, I can't compare this market out of control just yet, but it's certainly still worth watching and worth waiting for until this Beyond Meat cools. It's just metaphorical, people, but it does stand for froth, and I'm not a big fan of froth. Okay, on Man Money tonight, sales, yeah. Salesforce just announced the biggest acquisition in history, buying Tableau software for $15.3 billion. Stock's down after the news, but is the market approaching it all wrong? I'm breaking it down with Mark Benioff. Then I'm revealing the truth about the June swoop and looking for the next 5G stock. I'm eyeing a semiconductor player that could be worth considering. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO. And of course, stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I know everybody's focused on this United Technologies Raytheon deal. You know, I like that one. We got another huge merger this morning. Kramer Fave Salesforce is buying another company I like very much, Tableau Software, a cloud-based analytics play for roughly $15.7 billion in stock. I think this is a huge win for Salesforce. They have a fabulous enterprise software platform, but they needed a business intelligence offering that is the best in the country and, well, maybe the world. Now they've got it. However, the stock sold off in the news because it's an all-stock transaction. It's going to shave as much as 39 cents off the company's earnings per share this year. I'm betting the sellers are being short-sighted. To me, this looks like a, a, a lot like when uh, Salesforce bought MuleSoft early last year. Stock got slammed. Turned out to be a terrific buying opportunity. Don't forget, the company just reported a spectacular quarter last week. But don't take it for me. Let's dig deeper with Mark Benioff, the visionary chairman and co-CEO of Salesforce. Learn more about this deal. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, thanks for having me, and hello from New York City. Well, I was going to say, I'm so used to the San Francisco backdrop. What are you doing in town? Well, we're opening our Salesforce Tower in New York City tonight in our Ohana floor, which is the very top floor of the building. As you know, we took over the MetLife building at Bryant Park. And we'll open our Ohana floor. And what makes the Ohana floor special is not just this is an incredible, wide-open floor in the top of this beautiful building. But as part of Salesforce's culture, we provide our top floors of our buildings to nonprofits and NGOs for free at night so they can run their events and programs when we're not using them. For those of us who have run these balls, I've got to tell you, that's our biggest cost. So thank you very much for all the charities who need that. Uh, well, Mark, we're really excited to give those floors to the nonprofits. Well, they certainly can use them. Yeah, oh, boy, more than ever. Mark, you made an acquisition today that you know I told you as soon as I saw it. I, it took my breath away how brilliant it is. The one thing that you lacked, I felt, because you're very customer-centric, is you needed the single best data analytics uh, but you got not, you know, not just the dashboard, but everything. So it could be easy even for trailhead people to learn. It's the simplest and easiest. People can look at it by going to a public site, and it's absolutely fantastic. So let me ask you, uh, why do you think the stock market took it as if you paid too much? Well, Jim, you're absolutely right. There's really three cornerstones of digital transformation. The first one is the customer. And, you know, of course, we do that in space. We do that better than 
anybody else. Uh, and the second, well, we did that a year ago with MuleSoft integration, the ability to integrate all your data sources together so you can get a more holistic view or what we call customer 360. But you're really touching on the third cornerstone of digital transformation, which is the analytics and the visualization and the business intelligence to see everything in your company. And as you know, Jim, there's no more amazing company than in that category than Tableau, whose mission is to make sure that the world can see and understand data. And that is what excites us as well. Well, I think it's important to point out, I mean, we, we've been, uh, Adam Slipsy has been in the show. There was a time when we really weren't that interested in our show with Tableau Data because I didn't really think it was a cloud-based company. Adam comes from Amazon. In a remarkably short period of time, he makes it really so it can be if you want on-premise, you want cloud. It's, it's still the best data. It sounded like this, some of your key customers, like one you mentioned in, in uh, Minnesota, are, were demanding that you merge or have something as a, a deal with these guys. Well, you're exactly right. You know, I was in Minneapolis just last week, and when I was with one of our very largest customers, they're doing some incredible work with their supply chain and the ability to connect with their customer in a whole new way. And, of course, that, that's what we do for them. But at the very end of the meeting, they're talking about how they're going to visualize and provide analytics and business intelligence on this incredible infrastructure that we've helped them build. And they had chosen Tableau. And then, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, wow, this is just going to be an incredible acquisition for Salesforce because it's really the best of both worlds. It's two amazing companies coming together. And, you know, yeah, Tableau is a company at scale, Jim. It's an incredible company. And putting that together with Salesforce, it just supercharges both of our organizations. Well, do you think people just have short memories? I mean, literally, uh, 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 just a little more than a year ago, you bought MuleSoft. I know you did it on our show, a morning show. And I said, Mark, you paid too much. And you said, Jim, that's short-sighted. Look what's going to happen. It was seven days. And then the stock was back. I mean, I think, once again, you, know, you have dilution, but the cash flow is fantastic for the two companies together. Well, first of all, in terms of cash flow, Jim, I don't know if you remember our quarter that we just announced last week. Nice. <laughs> but we had record cash flows. And, um, you know, we, we've had phenomenal cash generation. Our business has done a great job in cash. But I have to be honest with you, Jim, Tableau didn't want our cash. They wanted our oh. equity because they know that the real value here is in the company that we're creating together. And, uh, you know, we would have been more than happy to give them any currency they wanted, but ultimately they want our stock. And, hey, I can't blame them. Look at how it's performed, uh, you know, over the last decade. It's been incredible. And uh, I have a huge vision, and so do they, on what's possible for the future. And when you look at that, we're really looking at a company that's going to fast-track to $30 billion in revenue and enterprise software, and there just isn't very many of those companies out there today. Now, someone was saying to me, look, Jim, if you think they're so smart, why couldn't they just go build this themselves? I said in return that you want a, a both ease to use and the best in show. Because I, I think if you just talked about Trailhead for a second, people would recognize using that public site that you suggest everybody look at, what, why this is so synergistic. I have to be honest with you, Jim. I'm a huge believer in innovation. It's one of our core values. You know, our four core values, trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. Well, let me just talk about innovation for a second. I so strongly believe in not just organic innovation, and you've seen that, of course, our core sales cloud, our core service cloud, our core platform. 
But I also strongly believe that companies to be competitive and successful today have to also believe in inorganic innovation. And you don't have to look any farther than things like our marketing cloud or our commerce right. cloud. And you've spoken now about our integration cloud as well. And in these technologies, we were able to acquire great companies, companies that you know, like Exact Target, like mm -hmm. Demandware, and like MuleSoft that became the heart of our customer 360. We can't build the uh, technology fast enough to be able to deliver to our customers' demand. And now by doing that, we're able to create this complete customer 360 platform that gives our customers everything they do to not only connect with their customer in a whole new way, not only to connect with every data source they have, but also to be able to have the visualization, data analytics, and business intelligence to achieve their total success. And for digital transformation, which is what's happening right, right now, Jim, that is mission critical. Well, look, I think it's a great uh, acquisition. People are being short-sighted, looking at 30 whatever cents per share. They're not thinking about the much bigger picture. But Mark is, and so is Adam, who's such a sensational person. Thank you, Mark Benioff, Chairman, Co-CEO of Salesforce. Jim, go Warriors. <laughs> well, you might need that good. You need KD there, I got to tell you. I said, maybe. Come to the Ohana floor right. tonight, Jim. We're going to watch the Warriors. All win. right. We love Greg, too, from the Warriors. Man Buddy's back after the break. Sell in May and go away isn't really working this year. More like sell in May and miss the miraculous Fed-induced rally, the best move of the year. I say this every year, but it bears repeating. You shouldn't make financial decisions based on a rhyming couplet. I don't care how well it scans. There's no basis for sound money management. At the very least, get your bad advice in the form of a limerick, maybe a sonnet. <laughs> But because May was indeed really bad this year, you're going to better believe that next year you're going to hear all about this. Sell a man, go away is the kind of thing managing editors salivate over. Cheap conventional wisdom lets you program guests and build themes months ahead of time. Unfortunately, it's rarely a good strategy. Why? First of all, selling everything is a lot harder than it sounds. When you sell everything, you need to be ready to get back in at lower levels. And getting that timing right is very difficult. Presumably, the people who sell in May and go away are swapping back into stocks at some point. But they may end up buying their stocks back at a much higher price. That's the problem. You just don't, you don't want to come in here and start buying, but that's what you would be doing because you just don't know when to get back in. Let me put it this way. Did you hear them say sell in May and buy back in June? I know I didn't. Did you hear anyone say, hey, that's the level? No. So you missed this. And that's just bad management. If you step back for a second, what happened here is almost the mirror image of what happened in December. Six months ago, it was obvious the economy was slowing. Yet the Federal Reserve raised interest rates one more time, and Fed Chief Jay Powell indicated there were more rate hikes on the way. For some reason, Powell believed the economy was still red hot, and he needed to tap on the brakes. I have no idea how he got that idea. I was screaming at him to change course because the data told a very different story. It was a terrible time for rate hike, and the stock market knew it. Hence, the meltdown. Okay? Got a real meltdown. May was very similar. Look at this, right? Once again, we started hearing that the economy was strong enough to handle another rate hike. Yet, 
the president's trade wars were just starting to heat up, regardless of the actual impact of the tariffs. They've had a chilling effect on the business community. Hey, by the way, one of the reasons why uh, Trump said the stuff to Joe, uh, Joe and Becky this morning is he says that the Fed is killing him because he saw this and realized that if you're fighting the Chinese, you can't afford to have a drop off in the averages like this. We got a heinous employment number to this period. We saw a staggeringly negative set of retail sales figures. Only Target, Costco and Walmart accelerated. That's not a good sign for the consumer. So once again, Powell to state the obvious without outright admitting that he messed up in December. He told us that it may be time for a rate cut and the stock market's been roaring ever since. You had to anticipate his change of heart. Anticipate it? Anticipate it. Okay? That has nothing to do with a limerick, for heaven's sake. Forget sell in May and go away. It was more like sell in May and buy back in late May which doesn't have that same ring to it. Now, I was listening to the news all last week about how we had the biggest rally of the year. As I told you before, this run started because the market got oversold. It came down too far, too fast. Remember I did that oscillator thing, minus five, it said you have to buy? Pal did the right thing. The averages came roaring back. Please don't forget about the individual stocks. Needless to say, you're kicking yourself now if you sold Tableau Software or Raytheon uh, now that they've caught takeover bids because you got the sell in May call. So can we please retire, sell in May, and go away? Can I start... Those who do it, the next time you hear it, I want you to remember about the spectacular June rally and think twice before taking the door girl seriously. Wally in North Carolina. Wally. Brilliant, Jim, from Booyah. Wally in North Carolina. Okay. Regular watcher of your show for many years. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. As you know, last week, all three markets had the best week for 2019. And are approaching record highs. Right. However, the financial stocks have not performed as well. They had a good week last week and an exceptionally good day today. In your professional opinion, do you think these financials will continue to improve the rest of the year? Particularly Bank of America, which I hold a substantial investment. Well, they're very cheap. They're very cheap. But cheap doesn't do it for me. And I think that if the Fed uh, just kind of goes on hold, they're going to miss the quarters. People aren't going to be that excited about it. And Bank of America is going to be stuck while you're left behind for so many different stocks that have real momentum here, that have earnings momentum and are inexpensive. So I am not going to bless Bank of America unless we see a change in the yield curve. Then I will. It's unfortunate that it's so hostage but I thank you for watching, but that's the truth. Herb in North Carolina. Herb! Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? I am good. How about you? Good, thank you. Hey, I wanted to get your take on uh, the Freeport-Mac Brand stock. I know they're heavily into copper, and I noticed the copper market took a little bit of a bounce today, and so did their stock. But what's your long-term look at Freeport? Well, I, I saw Mr. Ackerson. who's a very nice man. I saw I bought a ton of, ton of stock. He spent a million bucks. I like insider buying. That said, I don't have a case for it. I still see the economy worldwide slowing. I mean, you have to have a, you have to have the end of the tariff wars for that stock to go to 12 from $10.60. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think there are a heck of a lot of better ways to play it, though. I mean, at the end of the tariff wars, and you can buy tech, and it's just going to soar. All right, don't act based on ditties and doggerel. Pay attention to market conditions, not market alliterations. Much more may have money in. I'm talking with the CEO of Marvell Technology. Find out how it's positioning itself to compete in some of the hottest trends in the tech space, like 5G. Then, it's a company working with the likes of General Electric, Samsung, Ford, Philips, uh, and it's just announced a new partnership with maybe the best car company to do. 
do it with? BMW. I'm talking with the CEO of Ansys to see if it's worth considering. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. How far can we trust this semiconductor rally? It's getting clobbered for most of May. The semis have roared higher in the past couple of weeks. Investors are betting that the group will bottom, something that's, yeah, that seems a lot more likely if the Fed's willing to cut interest rates to boost the economy. At the same time, these buyers believe that the trade war with China won't get too out of hand because many of the semis do a ton of business in the PRC. Well, exhibit A of what I think can come back first is Marvell Technology. It's a company that's been a major player in 5G, the cloud, artificial intelligence, enterprise hardware, Autos. When Marvel reported a week and a half ago, it also came in better than expected. Guidance was tempered by this Huawei blacklist, but not so bad. Since then, the stock has steadily worked its way higher. So can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Matt Murphy. He's the president and CEO of Marvel Technologies. Get a better sense of how his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Murphy, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I've got to tell you something, Matt. You have one of the most exciting companies I've ever seen, and yet it wasn't exciting even five years ago. Just give us a little bit of the arc here, because it's such a different company from what people think it is. Sure, yeah. No, it's been a major transformation. So I joined three years ago, and we went through a pretty significant overhaul of the board, the management team, and a big pivot in the strategy. But the strategy pivot was absolutely spot on which was to really focus on the infrastructure market around storage and networking. And in the process, we got the financials cleaned up, we transformed the company, and they did a major acquisition five quarters after uh, we all got there. Balance sheet looks great now. Uh, storage and networking, what we have to explain is that there's different uh, end markets in storage and, the one, and, and in networking. And the one that everyone's interested in is what's going to happen to telecommunications. And you, I think, are the easiest and clearest and best way to play a, the biggest cycle out there, which is 5G. Correct. Yeah, this 5G cycle is just starting. Right. We're not even in the first inning yet. And when you look at the prior cycles of 3G, 4G, and now 5G, these are seven to ten year cycles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so from an infrastructure point of view, right, which is the network that needs to get built to right. support all the devices... That's going to be starting now and really building robustly in, in calendar year uh, 20. What are the key technologies that are needed to win in that market? Yeah, if you want to be a leader in the infrastructure market to support mm-hmm. these customers, you need to have expertise in processors, expertise in networking, expertise in storage, and security, which kind of is a thread that goes across all of it. That's you. That's us. That's you. That's us. And I think that there's some things that people, a lot of moving parts. The, yeah. uh, the conference call had uh, in, encapsulated all of them, but you have Avira, which you, uh, this, is a, this is an old IBM business that turned out to be, I think, very pristine. Then you have uh, Quantia. This is a, another business that's uh, for the future of connected cars, which our viewers really yeah. love. Yeah. And then you got rid of the business that I hated. You got rid of the Wi-Fi business. <laughs> and, but to NXPI, and we like NXPI, right. but it's slower. You were buying cheap and selling deer, which is what we want. That's right. That's right. So we, we had a very busy May. Oh, so yeah. we actually did four deals in May, two acquisitions that you mentioned. Right. We did a divestiture, right. and then we did a strategic partnership. So just uh, qu- quickly on the first two. Sure, please. So on Aquantia, which is the first one right. we, we announced, that's really uh, a play on connected car. And if you think about what's going to happen in the future on where the automotive market is, ha- is headed, it's going to be about uh, autonomous vehicles, it's going to be about electrification, and it's going to be about safety and security. Right. 
and you're going to have to have a best-in-class network inside your car to enable all these different sensors, cameras, lidars, radars, everything to connect. It's going to need a high-speed network inside the car. And just, you know, I think you would say, Everything right now is just it's just kind of flotsam and jetsam. They're all put in because as each new technology comes along, they plug it in. There's no system that it's on. That's right. Today's cars, if you look at it, have sometimes up to 100 what they call ECUs or electronic control units oh, that's stashed all around the car. And they're all connected today typically by legacy, slower analog interfaces. In the future, if you want to do it right, you actually want to have a packet-based network, mm-hmm. right, which would be based on Ethernet technology, which is fast, secure, and scalable. At the same time, I know that people were upset that you lost maybe some this Huawei situation, but you have everybody else, right? I mean, yeah. you don't need Huawei. Yeah, when you look at 5G, we're extremely well positioned with, especially if you look at the players that are going to do well in the U.S. rollout right. of 5G, we're going to have very good position. You have great Samsung. relationship with Samsung, which has come on very strong. That's true. I we know have it's a strategic partnership with them. Right. Historically, Ericsson and Nokia are terrific, which may mean, leads me to think that I don't really have that much tariff exposure if I buy, buy Marvell stock. Other than the global right. issues that are, quite frankly, putting pressure on the entire space, right? right. All of Marvell included, our right. peer companies. Uh, that's certainly uh, affecting the industry. But from a, from a Marvell point of view, when you think about 5G, the initial rollouts being in South Korea, right. United right. States, Japan, will do extremely well. In so the- I want people to understand that you, when you got rid of Wi-Fi, you doubled down on the area that what our viewers think is the most exciting. You doubled down on 5G. That's right. So with Avera, which was the second acquisition right. that we announced, their biggest end ex- market exposure is actually base stations, which is going to be levered to 5G. So that's, that's one positive. The second is it gets us into a, a new custom chip design business, which we really like. So just to break it down for you financially, yes, please, please. we're acquiring $400 million plus of revenue. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay about three times for that revenue. Very cheap. Right. In this market, very cheap, relatively. Right. The Wi-Fi business, we're selling for six times revenue to NXP. And so the net effect is we'll be able to pay for these two acquisitions have $500 million left over, and we'll be able to go off and, you know, uh, deploy that capital back to shareholders. This is a great story. How much different was it before you came in? Now it's a great story. Congratulations yeah, to you thank for what you, you've Jim. done. Congratulations. That's Matt Murphy. He's the president and CEO of Marvell Technology Group. That's M-R-V-L. This is it, people. You keep asking for a 5G story. I'm not going any further than Marvell. May have money's back in the break. It is time! It's time for the light! Rafa goes one of those hitters. Talks to And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skiing guys over the light round. Let's start with Joe in Florida. Joe! Yeah, Jim. Hey, booyah! Booyah! Hey, I heard you first on the radio. That's how many years it's been. Anyway, I am curious about BX. Give me one. Well, I mean, I think we're coming a little late. There, we got a little top. Uh, it's going, to, it's going up a great deal, and uh, it, it is at only three and a half percent yield now. So we're going to hold off on that one. How about Bob in South Carolina, Bob? Hey, Dr. Jimbo, I need help. Sure. I bought it at one ninety-two long term. So I sell it or do I hold? Which one? 
CI, Cigna. Oh, Cigna, no. Come on, Cardani's going to get it together. This group is just right now on its butt. I want you to buy some more. I'm not kidding. I think it's the right level. How about Trudy in Illinois? Trudy, Trudy, Trudy. Hi, Jim, Jim, Jim. How are you? I I love watching your program morning and afternoon, and we love you. Anyways, my question is, Roku, is it too late? No, uh, you know, kind of. I mean, Roku's up to, uh, it's up 228%. I can't endorse it up here. I think if we pull back a little bit, because I think we are going to get a pullback, then you can buy it. How about Sam and Louisiana? Sam. Hey, Bob, big fan from South Louisiana. How's it going? Oh, love South Louisiana. Going fishing Grand Isle again? What do you say? Oh, yeah, you know it. Hey, Callaway Golf, E-O-Y. They had great oh, I like that stock. It's pulled back. I think it is a bye-bye-bye. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe. Big booyah, Jim, for all your great guidance from this 84-year-old number one fan from Lancaster County, PA. Yes, yes, yes. My stepdaughter just came back from there. The Detweiler Bank. She bought me some old currency. What's up? But I, I tape your show daily, so I don't miss a nugget of your wisdom. Thank you. By the way, I love the cowboy hat look on Friday. Did you like that? A lot of people like that. I may have to adopt it. That was cute. My question is Activision. I bought it a while ago at $60 a share and have been holding on, but need your expertise on whether to hold or sell at this point. No, I I think you just have to hold it, maybe get a little lift. I mean, they just didn't have the right iterations. It turned out to be the Take-Two had the iterations. But thank you so much for those kind words. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. In travel, energy, and every industry, one can't be too invested in safety. With cutting-edge tech, this company's commitment to engineering is no simulation. Will investors take off with this stock in their portfolio? Now that we're in a more benign environment, even companies that reported somewhat imperfect quarters are seeing their stocks soar. Look at Ansys. That's the simulation software company that helps engineers test out their product designs on a computer rather than with a real-world prototype. It's much cheaper to run a good simulation, which is why BMW just partnered with Ansys to simulate their autonomous driving technology. Now, here's a company that reported a confusing quarter at the beginning of May. Ansys delivered a top-line beat with weaker than expected earnings. Then management gave weak guidance for the next quarter, also raising the full-year forecast. Like I said, it was confusing. And lately, the stock has caught fire because all that stuff kind of was just washed away by the fact business is just playing good. So let's take a closer look with Ajay Gopal. He's the president and CEO of Ansys, and that's A-N-S-Y-S. Find out more about how his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Gopal, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Hey, Jim, Thank you. Pleasure to be Thank back you. on. Thank you. Okay, Ajay, one thing is absolutely certain is, is that while the quarter was confusing, the business to me is frankly on fire because of how much it costs to do things with a model versus what it does with ANSYS. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, the technology that we have is amazing. We have customers around the world uh, who are using our technology to build the most amazing technologies and products from computer chips to rocket chips and, frankly, everything in between. And as you pointed out, people and our customers can use our technology to use the computer to design, validate, and test their products And the result for them is they can drive their innovation to market faster. They can drive their top line with with less expense, uh, with more efficiency, with ANSYS. One of the things that that I think people have to understand is in many ways, a simulation is actually a better way to test than the reality. Explain that to people. 
Well, let's take, for example, autonomous vehicles, and that's a great example. Now, the industry will tell you that it takes 8 billion miles of road tests, that's B with a uh, billion with a B, <laughs> 8 billion miles of road tests to validate an autonomous vehicle. And that's just simply impossible right. to drive. You have to use a different technique and a different capability. And that's where simulation comes in. With simulation, you can run those tests in parallel. You're not, no longer restricted to driving a car down a single stretch right. of highway. You can create multiple instances of that highway with different weather conditions, different, different traffic conditions, and test all of those in parallel. Okay, so let's say I am BMW, and I want to test how a, um, a, a autonomous car might react to a pedestrian suddenly crossing the street. Correct. Obviously, we can't have a pedestrian of cross the street. It's right. too dangerous. Right. How about simulation? So with simulation, let's say you want to create that scenario on a, on a busy intersection, right. for example. So you'd, you'd get a perspective of what that busy intersection looks like. And with simulation, you can create multiple virtual instances of that, of that, uh, of that intersection, uh, some with more pedestrians, right. some with fewer pedestrians. And then, of course, you have to understand how the eyes and the ears of the autonomous car, that's the camera, the LIDAR, the right. radar, how are they going to be able to take that input, bring it back into the brains of, this, of the car, and process that? So there's a lot of challenges and, and uh, difficulties that manufacturers will have to understand how those eyes and ears behave, and that's, of course, where simulation comes in as well. So we're trying to pull together this end-to-end -to -end simulation backbone, if you will, the, the foundation against which companies could test their autonomous vehicles. Now, I think that in the old days, you would come in at the end. Things are so sophisticated and expensive now that, say, you're 5G, you can't wait for answers to come in. They're just dominating, it seems like, right along with you at the very beginning. That's correct. I mean, in, in the old days, simulation was done at the end of the design process. It was just really a validation mm -hmm. process. Today, the technologies are so sophisticated and are so difficult for people to figure out, you have to simulate early in order to build the right product. You mentioned 5G. Take right. 5G, for example. Great opportunity for high bandwidth, low latency. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. But you're dealing with such high-frequency signals. It's so finicky. You need to be able to use simulation to come up with the right design for the base stations, the, the mobile devices, etc. It can only be done through simulation. Well, how much more would it cost if you just wanted to do it with actual modeling? Well, you'd end up, if you're not using simulation, you're building physical prototypes, it's trial and error. It just takes not only expense, but it takes, it'll add time to and latency to but, building. But that's what devices. people did for years, right? Yes, that's right. But simulation has now reached the stage where it's, it's now being taught in the curriculum at the undergraduate level. So every graduating engineer knows how to use simulation coming out of school. Our technologies and tools are really easy to use. Uh, and ANSYS technology is, is being used, I would say, in a number of universities around the world. And this next generation of engineers are able to take advantage of simulation. Also, the cost of computers come down. Right. So whereas previously simulation was expensive because it would require a lot of CPU usage, cost of computers come down. Now it's easy. I think people should recognize that you're, while well, you're located here, but you're a very international company, many more, much more than most of the companies we deal with. Right? You're everywhere. That's right. We have presence around the world. Uh, we do a business that's about a third, a third across all of the geographies, maybe a little bit more in North America, mm -hmm. about a third in Europe, a little bit less than a third in Asia. And we have you know, thousands and thousands of customers around the world. 
with, from the largest of organizations to small startup companies. In fact, our startup program, we have over 700 companies in our startup program who are taking advantage of simulation to build these next generation products. Well, I think it's important because some people in the conference call were, they almost were concerned on one of the calls that I read that you're located in Pittsburgh as if there are no smart people in Pittsburgh. And um, for those of us who know the Carnegie Mellon people, I hardly think that that's the right call. And you have plenty of opportunity to get smart people there. Look, Pittsburgh is a fantastic city. Uh, it's, it, and I encourage all of your viewers to come and visit Pittsburgh. It's a great place. Uh, but, of course, we have a, a large facility in Pittsburgh. That's where right. we're headquartered. Well, because Ford's got a lot. We've got a, we're headquartered over there. And, but we have, we have offices around the world. We've got R&D centers in Silicon Valley. We've got in right. Austin and Boston, in, in the U.K., in Germany, all over the world. Yeah, that was just so weird because it was almost like, well, wait a second. All the smart people live in Silicon Valley. This is something we're possessed about in the East, by the way. We now feel like that we are left behind or we're only financial people. And there's really much more to us than that. Now, uh, one last question on uh, the global world. Is Ansys, do you hear about tariffs? I know you can't directly be involved with tariffs from what I can tell. Well, the way we think about it, my job as the CEO of ANSYS is to make sure that my business works well, no matter what the right. economic and whatever, whatever the political circumstances may be. We're a highly diversified company. We have, as I said, customers around the world. We're across multiple industries, high-tech, aerospace and defense, right. automotive industry, industrial equipment. So no, whatever happens, if there's a variation in a particular company or a particular industry, we're very resilient to those kinds of things. Right. I mean, it just seems like that's one of the reasons why I like you, yes. is that you are kind of everywhere and you're, you're a cost saver. You're a cost saver in the tariff world or a non-tariff world? We're everywhere. We're a cost saver, but we also drive top-line revenue growth yeah, for our customers. That's fantastic. Okay, that's Ajay Gopal, President and CEO of Ansys. Since the last time you on, it's been a phenomenal stock. Actually, it's been a phenomenal stock for many, many years. Stick with Craig. Okay, I like that Marvell story very much. MRVL, that is the ultimate 5G play. Salesforce down way too much after today. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'd find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Crane. I'll see you tomorrow.